Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. Living on the West Coast and having kids involved in a variety of sports and two dogs who stare me down until I take them out and run them ragged, retrieving frisbees and rubber balls... I'm not a slave to watching every NBA game in real time, even now in the conference finals with only one game a day. I'll keep tabs on the game, check the score on my phone, or listen to a radio broadcast if I'm in the car or someplace I can listen on my phone, but I generally wait until the game is over to watch it from start to finish. Fast-forwarding through the commercials and the stand-up bits by the broadcasters and the instant replays of reviewed calls. It allows me to look at the game from this perspective. I know what happened. Now let me pinpoint why it happened. I don't have to go back and watch the game, the entire game, to know why the Bucks lost to the Hawks in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals 116-113 on their home floor earlier tonight. I knew after watching five minutes of the first quarter that this was going to be a game the Bucks should win handily, yet probably wouldn't. What I've been trying to figure out for the last few hours is why performances like this make me so angry. I don't know if it's a me thing or whether any of you can relate. That's why I'm spending a little bit of time talking about it. And this is not directed at Bucks fans or anyone who has a rooting interest in the team. It makes all the sense in the world that you would be upset by the result, even if you're not upset for the same reason I am. 
Misery, as they say, loves company, and no one quibbles or argues over why they're miserable, or, in this case, angry. I came up with a list of possible reasons. I have no desire to go back and watch the entire game in living color to see how the Bucks undermined their chances of going to the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history since 1974, because that's what's on the line. It didn't seem like the Bucks were fully cognizant of that, but that is what is on the line. And when I say they undermined their chances, that's exactly what I mean. Hawks fans, please don't take this as me downgrading your team's performance or throwing shade. With DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish out and Bogdan Bogdanovich Donovich clearly limited by whatever right knee injury he has, the Bucks have more talent. They're healthier. They have more advantageous matchups. And they have a hell of a lot more experience. Now, I never thought, as some did, that the Bucks would simply roll over the Hawks. But I anticipated them winning the series in six or seven games. There are series that I may pick a team to win, even though I feel the outcome is truly up for grabs. I do it usually because my employer asks me to. Health, strategy, and a bit of luck determine those kind of series. And it is impossible at the start to know which side will benefit the most from those three elements. Effort isn't supposed to be one of the elements, not in the playoffs. And I'd offer or argue that lack of effort can be a result of a lack of strategy or sound strategy. And I count who a coach gives minutes to and when and what the assignments are as part of a team strategy. It's the internal strategy of knowing how to motivate in some cases, demand effort in others by the assignments or the tasks given. There are silent messages sent through all of those things. Tell George, Paul George he has to keep Rudy Gobert off the boards or Kawhi Leonard that he has to guard Luka Doncic and we're, not, we're hedging on pick and rolls, but we're not switching. And you've sent a message to the entire team without saying it. We're asking everyone to do the dirty work and we're not messing around. Strategy, I believe, was indeed a reason or a contributing factor why the Bucks were unable to muster the necessary effort in the final minutes to keep the Hawks from grabbing five offensive rebounds in the last four minutes, or to keep them from scoring a layup on an inbounds play directly under the Hawks' basket. So I didn't go back and watch the entire game, but I did watch the last five minutes several times. The Bucks clearly decided to go for what is called a professional win even though it is not earmarked by true professionalism as in being exact and disciplined for the entire job. A professional win is when a team is confident it is the superior team and decides it is going to exert only the necessary amount of energy to squeak out a win. This usually entails playing just hard enough to keep the difference within a couple points and then asserting their superiority in the final minutes. Milwaukee, with the score tied at 98 all, with 4 minutes and 57 seconds left, went on a 7-0 run in less than 40 seconds. 
For that 40 seconds, they were the ones grabbing offensive rebounds and beating the Hawks in transition and contesting every shot. They milked what is clearly unstoppable for the Hawks, which is Giannis as the roller in a pick and roll with either Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton, and they all played inspired defense. And then they began to slip. Remember how I said strategy can play a role in effort? Well, that was the case here. Mike Budenholzer decided to go small the entire fourth quarter, playing Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday all 12 minutes, and P.J. Tucker 11 minutes and 43 uh, 43 seconds. Brooke Lopez played 17 seconds. This, despite the fact that P.J. Tucker could not keep John Collins off the boards or track him down at the three-point line before he buried a big three in the final minute. This, despite the fact that Bobby Portis showed early on that he could provide an advantage with nine points and six rebounds in 11 first-half minutes after sitting games five, six, and seven against the Nets. But Portis only played three and a half more minutes in the second half scoring two more points, grabbing two more rebounds, but not a second in the fourth quarter. The result reminded me of Rick Carlisle riding his starters the entirety of Game 7 against the Clippers and having them fade down the stretch, just as Kevin Durant did in overtime, playing every single minute of Game 7 against the Bucks. Players are used to coming off the floor, even if it's for short stints. And yes, I know during the playoffs, timeouts are longer. The the TV timeouts are are longer. Uh, There are more opportunities to rest. But still, playing an entire quarter during the regular season is rare. Mentally, if you're asked to do something longer than you normally do, you're going to measure your effort to make sure that you can complete it, to make sure you have something left in the tank to get to the finish line. Which means you're not going to go as hard as you can or normally would. It's not a defect of character. It's human nature. So here's the list of possible reasons why the Bucks losing the way they did irks me. One, I hear all the time from every player about how winning a championship is all they care about. Yeah, the money and the women and the cars and the lifestyle are nice, but what I really want is a ring. All I care about is winning. I'm sure you've heard it too. And here the Bucks are, eight wins away from achieving that dream, with an ideal opportunity to reduce that count to seven wins needed. They're on their home floor, After escaping the second round thanks to the size of Kevin Durant's feet and James Harden's hamstring, and they collectively decide the dirty work, boxing out, communicating on defense, are not worth their time on this particular evening. Now, how they lost down the stretch is one thing. I can put that on Mike Budenholzer. But the Bucs were being lazy from the start. Example, they had a chance to take a commanding 28-20 lead into the second quarter. Portis hit a three, and Drew, Drew drove to the rim unchallenged and dunked it. But instead, they settled for a 28-25 lead because they let Solomon Hill, he of the .3 offensive rebounding average in the playoffs, 
and .6 average during the regular season, have an easy putback at the rim, and then let Lou Williams fire in an uncontested walk-up three at the end of the period. Here's another reason that I'm worked about the way the Bucks played and lost. The Bucks have no reason to be arrogant. The Lakers, both last year and this year, okay. They earned their swagger, and they had LeBron James. The Bucks have not proved anything to this point. In fact, they're still trying to make up for past disappointments. Yet another reason the loss irked me. I watched a high school basketball team operate in a very similar fashion this past high school season. There was no consistent demand for effort, no consistent repercussion for a missed rotation or defensive assignment, or not passing to an open shooter. The team massively underachieved, in my mind, for the talent that they have, and the player chemistry and camaraderie was clearly missing because of it. Now, I was just explaining to someone earlier tonight that the decisions an NBA coach makes about who to play and how much isn't always up to him. A lot of times an owner or GM will tell a coach a certain player has to play. Or the medical staff will clear a player to play when he isn't moving well enough or in good enough shape to do what a coach needs him to do. But because the medical staff says he's good to go, the coach is often compelled to put him in the lineup or use him when he'd rather not. So maybe Coach Bud is under pressure to work his rotations as he did. All I know is that in these playoffs, the coaches who have found a way to utilize their rosters and steal minutes or present new matchups for the opponent to decipher have had the most success. Nate McMillan didn't just play Solomon Hill 20 minutes in game one, even though he's only averaging 11 in these playoffs. He played him nearly 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. And Solomon's freshness was evident in his activity. He only had two points, one rebound, and one assist. But that was two more points and one more assist than the Bucks' P.J. Tucker. And Solomon Hill didn't give up any offensive rebounds. On such decisions, do close games often swing? I don't fault a coach for a move not working out. It happens to the best of them. You take your best educated guess and let the dice roll. Anybody who's coached knows that feeling of being on the sidelines, seeing your team struggling, seeing your star struggling, and going through that question in your head. Do I pull the trigger? Do I make a change? Or do I trust what I have out there? It's not easy. But I do fault a coach for not learning from his mistakes or being afraid to make a move or an adjustment just because it's safer to let the chips fall where they may. That can work when you have a dominant team full of dominant players and set rotations that have proven to be successful over a period of time. There are no such teams like that in these playoffs at this point. They're all flawed and unproven, searching for a way to be greater than the sum of their parts. The one that succeeds at that will be the champion. The Bucks failed at that in game one. Their parts 
were greater than the Hawks, but not their sum. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Hey, I haven't mentioned it for a while, but I have a gift for you. Mizzen in Maine, M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N, is a men's fashion wear company. They make dress shirts, blazers, joggers, slacks, out of performance wear, the kind of stuff that you, the kind of material that you wear when you work out. It's the stuff that I wear almost every day on TV, and I've been on TV almost every day. And I have to tell you, I love putting those shirts on. They're so comfortable, and yet they look like the best dress shirts that I've ever bought, fit to a T. Please check them out. Mizzen and Main, M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com. Great thing. You don't have to send them to the dry cleaners. You can just wash them and hang them. Wrinkle-free. They're fantastic. And if you use the code Buker, my last name, B-U-C-H-E-R, they will give you a discount on your order. All right. In the next podcast, we'll be going into Game 3, or we will be following Game 3 between the Clippers and the Suns. Looks as if Chris Paul is going to play. This is put up or shut up time for the Clippers. Based on how they played the first two games, I would fully expect that they should get it done. But we will see and we'll discuss it in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 